Yes. Okay, good morning. Can everybody hear me okay? Good. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Sarah Claudia Kane, and it kind of feels like coming home this morning because many, many years ago, my family and I came to church here, and my parents are here today, so I won't say how many years ago that was, so I don't date them too much, but it feels good to be back and to be sharing with all of you this morning. And I'm also getting pretty excited for Thanksgiving. A little fun fact about me, I love Thanksgiving food so much that I even had it served at my wedding reception back in May. So I'm looking forward to this this Thursday and getting to dive into all those yummy plates. The roots of my family tree run deep in the, the soil of the South, and as Southerners, you know, we pride ourselves on being able to cook up some, some pretty good food, and this ability really shines through at Thanksgiving. So as I sit at that table, surrounded by this skillfully prepared meal and joined by family that I, I don't get to see too often, I can't help but, th- but feel thankful. And God has blessed me so much this past year. So what are you grateful for this year? When we think about this list, we often think about all the good things in our life, the health of our family, that new promotion at work, or the start of a new exciting relationship. And all of these blessings are wonderful, and they are so worthy of our thanks and our praise. But my favorite Thanksgiving Bible passage that you just heard from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, can give us a little change of perspective on thankfulness. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, when we're sitting at that Thanksgiving table, eating all the good food and laughing and fellowshipping with family and friends, it's easy to be thankful. But that passage says to be thankful in all circumstances, not just when things are going well, not just in the month of November, but during the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, this message is coming from Paul, who knows a lot about enduring hardships. Throughout his life and his ministry, he was beaten and persecuted and imprisoned just for following Christ. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes about learning how to be content in all situations, with a full stomach or empty, with everything or with nothing, because he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. And when he wrote these words, he was actually in prison at the time. So through Paul's encouraging message, he shows us that because of God's faithfulness, we can be content, we can be joyful, and we can be thankful no matter what we're going through. But I know firsthand how hard it is to be thankful when we're going through those trials or those not-so-shiny parts of our lives. And today, I want to share with you a story from my own life and how, through this challenge, God taught me how to rejoice always, how to pray without ceasing, and how to be thankful in all circumstances. So the first lesson that I learned 
was to pray without ceasing. And it all started back in 2015. In May of 2015, I had just finished up my finals at Barry College after my junior year. I was on the equestrian team there, and I had placed second in the nation my freshman year and third in the nation my sophomore year on the collegiate team. And unfortunately, I didn't make it to nationals that junior year, which I'm still a little, a little bit bitter about, but it's okay. But I was looking forward to my senior year of college. I was going to take some summer classes and work on campus that summer and start out my senior year ready to go and ready for that last year on the equestrian team. But before I could start all these plans, I had one thing to take care of first. And on May 4th of 2015, I drove from Rome back to Bowden, where my childhood home was and still is. And on May 5th of 2015, I woke up early that morning when my mom drove me into the hospital where I was scheduled to have my tonsils taken out. Now, I'd suffered from chronic tonsillitis for most of my life, and at age 20, I finally decided I had had enough, so I decided to have them removed. And I thought, oh, no big deal. I'll be recovering for about two weeks, and then I'll be back at school starting all of those grand plans. But as life often does, it didn't work out quite the way I had imagined. So after the surgery, I was discharged and sent home. And my mother, being the wonderful, loving mother that she is, made the split-second decision to sleep in my room with me that night. And my mom and I have always been close, but we, we weren't ones who had sleepovers that often, especially when I was 20 years old. But that small, spur-of-the-moment decision is what saved my life. It's the reason I'm able to stand here today. She woke up at about 4 o'clock in the morning and decided, since she was in the room with me, she would check on me, try to give me some water, make sure I wasn't in too much pain. But when she tried to wake me up, she discovered me completely unresponsive. So she was shaking me and yelling my name, trying to get me to wake up. And my dad ran upstairs, and after taking one look at me, he called for an ambulance, and I was rushed back to the hospital, where immediately I was intubated and placed on a ventilator. And at that point, all my family could do was wait and pray. They didn't know if I was going to wake up at all, and if I did wake up, they didn't know if I would be able to walk or talk or think or do anything independently ever again. The next day, the breathing tube was taken out, and everybody waited pretty anxiously to see if I would start taking those first few breaths. And when I did, everybody took a sigh of relief and started to celebrate because in their minds, this was the biggest hurdle I was going to have to face. And if I made it through this, if I started breathing, started to wake up, everything was going to be fine. But the celebration soon ended as I began to regain consciousness and began to talk a little bit, because one of the first things I said was to my dad, who happens to be an eye doctor here in town, and I told him that I couldn't see anything, 
everything was completely black. So I was once again loaded into an ambulance and rushed to a different hospital where more tests and scans and blood work was done. And it was during this time that we realized in addition to losing sight in both my eyes, I had also completely lost hearing in my left ear. So after two weeks in the hospital, I was discharged. And once again, I found myself returning to my childhood home. But this time, instead of returning as a carefree college student with her whole life ahead of her, I was returning as somebody with a disability who had no idea how to move forward. And needless to say, the next few days and weeks were spent in a lot of grief for me and for my whole family. And I don't remember much from those early days, but what I do remember is bits and pieces of hours spent on the couch, either sleeping or crying and just wondering what what my life was going to look like moving forward. And in addition to this shock, I also felt isolated from my friends who were starting all of those plans without me, from my family who I thought couldn't really completely understand what I was going through, and from the world around me that I could no longer see. Now, I was raised on a very firm Christian foundation. I grew up going to Sunday school and youth group and youth choir and all of the retreats and mission trips. But somewhere along the way, I lost that personal relationship and connection with Christ. And at the time of my sight loss in 2015, I was very lost spiritually. But when I was faced with a situation where I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to move forward, I fell back on that foundation and I turned to the only thing that I thought might be able to help, and that was to pray. And now, at the beginning, it was just prayers for healing. I I didn't have a strong relationship with Christ, as I mentioned. I didn't have a strong prayer life. But every night, I remember going to bed and just saying, God, when I wake up, just let me be able to see. And that's all I would say. And at the same time, we were taking a lot of trips for healing. We went from Nashville to Florida, all over Atlanta, all the way over to China and to Germany, just trying to find a treatment or a doctor that would be able to bring my sight back. And after each failed medical attempt and each morning waking up still faced with darkness, I became more and more disappointed and more and more grief-stricken and angry at my situation. And this is the part of my story when a lot of people would have given up. They would have said, God's not listening. He doesn't care. He's not even there. And honestly, I don't know what kept me from getting to this point. I know I was very, very close many times. But I'll always be thankful that I just kept praying. Now, I've never been good at being vulnerable. I don't like admitting my weaknesses or limitations or what I struggle with. My husband will tell you I'm, I'm pretty stubborn that way. 
And this became especially hard after losing my sight. All of a sudden, I was faced with some very real limitations and weaknesses and struggles. But I didn't want to talk to my friends about them because I didn't want them to see me as different, even though obviously I was very different now. I didn't want to talk to my family about what I was struggling with because I saw how much it hurt them, and then I would feel guilty. And so I kind of bottled everything up, all of that anger, all of that frustration, until, as it always does, it started to boil over in fits of lashing out and anger at the ones who were really there for me. And so I knew I, I couldn't keep living this way, just being angry and, and doing really nothing with this life. And I'll never forget, it was one night when I was, I was really struggling. I had had a really hard day, and I was having my nightly plea with God for Him to please heal me. And all of a sudden, I just started opening up and crying out to God and just talking to him about everything that I was dealing with and struggling with in a way I'd never done before. And slowly, a sense of peace started to come over me. And it was like, it was like a, a switch was flipped. All of a sudden, I started to feel that peace and that comfort and hope that I had needed so desperately. And as the days progressed, my prayer life continued to evolve, and I started to talk to God more than just begging Him for healing. I started to talk to Him about every little frustration I had throughout the day and continuing to ask Him for that guidance and that strength to keep moving forward. And I started to see God show up for me in a way I had never experienced before because I had never asked for it before. And as I learned what it was to rely on God in all of those circumstances, my relationship with Him started to grow and renew. And with that relationship, God gave me the strength to start moving forward with my life. And as this new journey began, learning to live with my disability, that's when I learned to rejoice always, as that Bible passage says. And I'll never forget one night when I really found the motivation to start moving forward and, and take hold of this life God had given me. I was laying in bed, and honestly, I was feeling pretty sorry for myself because all of my friends were starting back to school. And all of a sudden, I got this thought, and I know it was a God thing because it was one of those completely crazy ideas that really makes no sense at the time. But I thought, well, why can't I go back to school? There's really nothing stopping me. And there again, you see it's a God thing because obviously there was a lot stopping me. I had just lost my sight a couple of months before. I had virtually no skills as somebody who was blind. I couldn't really do anything independently. But this didn't stop me from going downstairs and telling my parents that I had decided to go back to school. And I was faced with several moments of shocked silence as I waited to see if my parents would say I was crazy or if they would just tell me no flat out. But my parents had never been ones to hold me back 
from anything I set my mind to, whether I was sighted or blind. So they immediately started helping me learn all of the skills I needed to know to be independent and to go back to school. And this started with mobility training. I had to learn how to use a white cane. So I would go to Rome once a month to, or no, once a week to Barry College. And my orientation and mobility instructor, she would teach me how to use my cane while also teaching me how to memorize routes and how to navigate the world without my sight, what to listen for and what to feel for, and even how to cross busy highways with traffic and how to problem solve when I got lost. The next thing I had to learn was how to read Braille. So after those long mobility lessons, I would go and have Braille lessons for about two hours. So these were some pretty long, mentally taxing days but it took me about a year and a half to learn Braille. And I'm so thankful I did because I use it all the time. I have my whole house labeled in Braille. I love being able to sit down and, and read a book in Braille. The third thing I had to learn in order to go back to school and be independent was technology. So I had to learn how to use my computer, how to access textbooks electronically. And there was nobody who could really teach me this skill So my wonderful sister stepped up to the plate, and she would look up YouTube tutorials and learn how to do it herself, and then she would teach me how to use the screen reader, which does basically what the name implies. It reads the screen aloud to me as I memorize different keyboard commands on the laptop to work it. So as you can probably tell, these skills were pretty challenging for me to learn, And there were a lot of frustrating moments and frustrating days. And in addition to these kind of larger skills, there were littler things I had to learn. How to organize my clothes as somebody who couldn't see. How to fix simple meals. How to keep up with everything I needed to do on a daily basis. And through all of these kind of big accomplishments and small baby steps forward, I learned how to rejoice always because I knew even with the small triumphs, I was getting that much closer to what God had planned for me in this new season of life. And in 2016, I went back to college just eight months after losing my sight. In 2017, I started sharing my testimony and started speaking about what God was doing in my life. In 2019, I graduated from college from the University of West Georgia. In 2020, I published my first book, and I started appearing on the radio once a month. And in 2021, I published my second book. I received my first guide dog, and best of all, I I got married to the love of my life. And now I have this ministry that God has given me where I have the opportunity to share what he continues to do in my life through my blog and my radio segment and the books he's allowed me to write. And despite all of these accomplishments, I still wake up every day faced in darkness. And blindness continues to be challenging and frustrating and exhausting. But when I look back at the past six and a half years of my life, I'm reminded of everything God has done for me. And when I do face those hard days, 
I know now how to handle it. I know that I need to rejoice for all the blessings in my life. I need to pray constantly for God to keep giving me the guidance and the comfort and the strength to move forward. And I know that even in those moments of frustration and sadness, I need to be thankful because God continues to be faithful. And at the end of the day, if all I can say I'm thankful for is that I have a Lord and Savior named Jesus Christ, I know that I can be more than content because what else do we really need? And I hope and I pray that from my testimony and my story, you see that no matter what you're facing, you can be thankful because of God's faithfulness. You don't have to be thankful for that situation, but you can be thankful through it because God's there to walk you every step of the way, just as he's done with me. Thank you guys so much.